Welcome to the Commission Podcast. Today we're hearing a talk from Jason Roach. Jason's talk took place during the Saturday evening celebration at Revive. The celebration was a mix of drama, spoken word, sung worship and prayer. As we consider the words of the centurion as written in the gospel accounts, surely this man was the son of God. We'll hear from Jason later in the podcast, but before that, we're going to play the dramatic reading from the celebration. Here's Ian, Flo, and B reading from Mark 15, verses 1 to 39. Early in the morning, the chief priests, with the elders and the teachers of the law, made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so. The chief priests accused him of many things. Well, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. Now it was the custom during the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. There was a man called Barabbas in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder during the uprising. The crowd came forward and asked Pilate to do for them what he normally did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He asked, knowing that the chief priests had given Jesus over to him out of self-interest. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that Barabbas would be released. What then shall I do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, he released Barabbas. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. They led Jesus out into the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail! King King of the the Jews. Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes back on him. Hail, Hail, King King of the the Jews. Then they led him out to be crucified. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Rufus and Alexander, was passing by on his way in from the country when they forced him to carry the cross. They led Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. 
It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those passing by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Darkness covered the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi! Eloi! Lama Sabachthani! When some of those around him heard him say this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Later in the evening, Jason Roach from the Bridge Church Battersea reflected on the passage and its implications. In 1964, the boxer Muhammad Ali took part in one of the most anticipated, the most watched, and the most controversial fights in sports history. He fought the reigning heavyweight champion of the world, Sonny Liston, and he beat him in a technical knockout. That means that at the end of one of the rounds, Sonny simply couldn't get out of his seat again. And as Muhammad Ali danced around the ring and the uh, reporters uh, dived into the, the ring and put the microphone to his face, he uttered the words, I am the greatest. He said, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest thing that ever lived. There's not a mark on my face. I hurt Sonny Liston. I must be the greatest. Do you hear what he's saying? 
He'd taken on the heavyweight champion of the world and won. And because everyone could see his strength and because there was not a mark on his body, he must be the greatest. And yet the mystery of the cross is that Jesus, the God-man, stepped into a different kind of ring. He took on death and hell and won the championship to end all championships. Amen? But, and here's the mystery, even to his closest friends, his, death, his, his strength seemed invisible and his body was broken. But by the grace of God, we meet a man, a Roman centurion, who saw what many had missed. Yes, Jesus had said that he came to forgive sins. He'd said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. He'd said even that he was the great I am, but it was this centurion who realized that Jesus had committed no crime and was in fact divine, who changed his allegiance from King Caesar to the crucified Christ. What convinced him? Perhaps it was the witness of creation. You see, at noon, as we've heard, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. In other words, the lights went out in the middle of the day. At the Bridge Church, Battersea, we're used to the lights going out as we meet together because in their wisdom, the electricians uh, wired the uh, light switches at just the right height for five-year-old hands. <laughs> and so there we are, we're talking about faith and football and food, whatever it is, and boom, darkness. And a five-year-old somewhere in the corner with a smile on his face. <laughs> and as easily as a child turns off the lights, God turns off the sun. This was no solar eclipse. This was no storm of dust. This was the sovereign Lord bearing God's wrath for us. Like the dark before the Passover in Egypt long ago, this darkness marked God's judgment poured out on Christ below. God said through brother Moses and reminded us through Job that the latter prophet Amos too, some years before, foretold, hear this, they meet with darkness in the daytime, grope at noonday as at night. The wicked stumble in the dark, just like it was twilight. What Amos was saying was that darkness marked God's judgment, and here it was poured out on Jesus. And for this centurion, the lights going off would have seemed even more dramatic because of the way that they got switched back on again. You see, Mark says, at noon, darkness came over the whole line until, that is, up until the time of three in the afternoon. In other words, the lights are off until three in the afternoon, and then they go back on again. But what happens at three? Well, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he breathes his last. In other words, at the moment of his death, the lights come back on. Now, I've seen many people die. I was quite a good doctor, really, but, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but... but but, but even so, I've seen many people die, and so had this centurion. And here is one thing that is universally true. When someone dies, people react, but creation doesn't. People react, friend and foe, but creation doesn't. When my father died, I cried, and I cried, and I cried. When Fidel Castro died, some danced with delight. People react... But however we may feel inside, the sun keeps shining, the rain keeps falling, the world keeps turning. And yet when Jesus died, his father lit up the sky. 
Just like fireworks light up to celebrate a new year, so the sky lights up to celebrate a new covenant. The way is open to God. And so battered, beaten, whipped, and hung, Jesus Christ shouts victorious, and God turns the lights on. Yes, I am the greatest, said Muhammad Ali. As I listen to creation, I'm not sure I agree. Christ is the one who predicted the dark, so when our shepherd was struck, we'd know the hour was marked. His father's the one who can turn off the sun and light it again, so we'd know the work was done. Praise God for the one who led a hundred soldier squad. His word was right. This truly was the son of God. Perhaps it was the witness of creation, this darkness that began to convince this centurion that, that Jesus was who he claimed, but perhaps it was his silence. Because Isaiah tells us what the centurion would have seen as he watched Jesus die, silent submission. Isaiah 53 says, he was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and yet as a a sheep before a shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. His silence was astounding. One of the most surreal moments I remember uh, from my days as a doctor in A&E was trying to take blood, a blood sample from a man built like the Incredible Hulk. I mean, this guy was like rocky, like, I mean, forget that. He was huge. He was so big that I remember opening the curtain of the cubicle that he was in, and his outline cast a shadow over the bed. It was so uh, big. But as I opened the drawer in this cubicle to get out a needle, he high-jumped onto the bed like Darcy Bustle and onto the bed and cried like a baby. And I'm thinking to myself, you could lift me up with your little finger, and you're scared of this tiny little needle? And yet Jesus felt the whip's tail, saw the six-inch nails, and yet he would not bail. He did not shrink from the plan he'd made with his father. Now, the centurion would have known just what to expect. As this gruesome ordeal was put into effect, men screaming in agony and pleading for life, but silence like this was one of a kind. But it was more than just a supernatural silence, it was a supernatural sinlessness. You see, this silence meant that he didn't snap. He didn't snap under the pressure of the trial and the torture and the abuse and the humiliation. Our sinless saviour didn't explode at the frustration, at the injustice that was happening to him. And is that not the total opposite of us? You see, you see, because I'm a sinner, I snap at my wife when she's trying to support me. Because I'm a sinner, I snap at work when I'm asked to do things that I signed up for. Because I'm a sinner, I snap at my children when they need me, but I'd rather be doing something else. Because we're sinners, we sometimes snap, do we not, at our friends and our teachers and our parents and our work colleagues. And hear this, these are people who like us. (laughs) But, But the centurion saw a man who refused to snap, even at his enemies. Unlike the criminals and crooks that he was used to seeing, he didn't insult his insulters, he didn't mock his mockers, he didn't taunt those who tried him or condemn those who denied him. In fact, when he opened his mouth in the midst of the ruin, he said, Father, forgive, they don't know what they're doing. 
The way that he dealt with this sinister plan reflected that he was no ordinary man. This spotless young man on whom sin had no claim was soon to become the lamb that was slain. Perhaps it was the witness of his silence in all of this pain that began to convince this centurion that Christ was the one who he claimed. Yes, I am the greatest, said Muhammad Ali. As I see my Lord submit, I'm not sure I agree. Only Christ could suffer judgment with a tight-lipped mouth, be afflicted and oppressed and yet not wimp out. Despite the taunts of the crowds and the pain of the cross, Jesus' voice remained silent as he bore the world's wrath. So praise God for the one who led a hundred soldier squad. His word was right. This truly was the son of God. So you see, this centurion confirms what Mark announced at the beginning of his gospel, that this is not a story about a good man. Hear this, this is not a story about a good man. This is good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of who? Jesus, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of who? God. Friends, there is no gospel if Jesus is just a good man. There is no good news if Jesus is just an example for us to follow. You see, a good man cannot wash away our sin. It flows from us like a flood. A good man cannot take our condemnation. It sticks to us like mud. A good man cannot break the chains of sin and death. Only the power of God. So we've seen the witness of creation. We've seen the witness of Jesus' silence. But just put yourself in the picture. What would it be like to realize afresh that you were the one who had put him to death? That you had said, hammer the nails, lift him high, only to see how he marshaled the sky. To witness his death proved the truth of his life that he was the man whose work made us right. What would that be like? And what's worse, whenever we spurn what is good in his sight, whenever we think that our deeds make us right, whenever we're tempted to think that sin's just our fight, it's like you and like I are right there at that night. Our voice in the crowd saying, crucify. And yet do you see that all this is to say that his death on that night has provided a way that despite all our sin, we don't have to pay if we trust in the work that he did there that day. You see, if he, if he rescued the heart of this man steeped in Rome, then his big crazy love can bring us all home. So I'm the greatest, said Muhammad Ali, as I look at the cross I'm not sure I agree. Because before he died, he'd said that the sky would be darkened to pour out God's wrath on our hearts that were hardened. And as the lights went down on Calvary's tree, God's son drank the cup for you and for me. See, only Christ could bear all the horrors of hell and come back to life with a story to tell. So as we finish... What do you say as we ring the fight bell? And I ask for your view from the, the ringside as well. 
Do you feel like you want to stand up and applaud? Or has this whole thing left you completely unawed? As for me, I know to which corner I'm drawn. To praise God for the one who led the hundred soldier squad. His word was right. This truly was the son of God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, we, we praise you for your patience. We praise you for your grace, for being willing to bear God's wrath in our place. You are our hero. You are our only hope. Help us to point others to your power. We pray all of this in your majestic and glorious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Co-Mission Podcast. Check out our Facebook page for videos from Revive and more. Just search for Co-Mission. Co-Mission.